0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got a really cool guest on the phone today. My man Bryn is from way fucking up north Ontario <laughs> somewhere.
1: And we can say that because we've driven there and it was the most miserable drive I've ever done in my entire life.
2: It is a long drive.
1: Are you, Bryn, are you in... Kenora right now? I am, yes. All right. Well, hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And as Mark said, we're talking to Bryn in Kenora, who's also a registered massage therapist. Uh, The reason we're talking to him today is because Bryn has a unique situation where he actually studied in Winnipeg. Is that right? Yeah, correct. And then he did his exams, his licensing exams to practice in Ontario. And we met him because he came all the way to Toronto to come take OSCE prep here at Connet Institute.
2: Yes. And, uh, I honestly can say I don't know if I would have passed if I hadn't so um, yeah so thanks to you guys
1: well I'm really happy to hear that and glad that you're a colleague now yay yeah did
2: you drive down or did you fly down oh god no I would I'm I'm. I'm not that much of a sucker for punishment no,
1: I, uh, <laughs> you're not I, as stupid as we are
2: <laughs> <laughs> no I flew down I I uh, actually did uh, two weeks apart flew down um, I think it was mid-November to do the OSCE prep with you guys uh, for a couple days and then two weeks later flew back down to do my written and my hands on, so. That's
1: cool. How'd you find the exam?
2: Um, well, I wasn't a big fan of it, but, you know, I'm uh, happy that I came out on the other side with the uh, with the pass, so um, would I want to do it again? No, not necessarily, but, you know, uh, there are things about it that uh, I suppose were necessary and other things that I wasn't um, that keen on, so, yeah.
1: All right, before we start then, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody, tell them sort of who you are and uh, what type of practice you have now there in Kenora. And maybe tell people where Kenora is. I feel yes. like I feel like a lot of listeners may not know where you are.
2: Yeah, well, we're kind of like the forgotten part of Ontario, I like to say. You know, we, we probably should be part of Manitoba. Um, and I know there's a lot of people in Kenora that feel that that should be the case. Um, we are way northwestern Ontario. We're probably 45 minutes from the border, the Manitoba border. So Kenora would be six hours hours west of Thunder Bay and about two hours east of Winnipeg so um, you know population's about 15 to 20,000 people Um, in the town here itself I would say there I think off the top of my head there's six registered massage therapists so it's a really good place to practice because there's just a huge demand and just not enough people to go around Um, but that's pretty much for all modalities that's uh, chiropractic I think there's two there's three physios, I think, um, you know, and then a few of us RMTs. So it's, uh, I think the waiting list to get into pretty much anybody is a minimum of two months. So, you know, in comparison to places like, uh, I assume Toronto, um, Winnipeg for sure. Um, it seems like RMTs are a dime a dozen, you know, and you can kind of get in no problem, but here it's a, it's a huge wait list. So, um, so anyway, so my name is Bryn Canfield. Um, so I do massage therapy as kind of a side job. I uh I run an ATM business full time. Um and with uh, you know, with the way that technology goes, I always figured I kinda needed a backup plan just in case uh, you know, ATMs went the way of the dinosaur. So I decided that I wanted to do um some sort of therapy, whether it was, you know, physiotherapy or something along those lines, and the way that it worked out for me is that based on where we are, there's obviously no schools close by. I think the closest one at the time was Thunder Bay, and they shut down their course uh, within the last number of years, and so my only real option was to either come to Southern Ontario or go to Winnipeg in this case, and so... Somebody in my uh, in, in the town here that I know um, had taken a course through uh, through Wellington College in Winnipeg that uh, did a distance education program, and so that worked out really well for me because I was still able to do my uh, my main job as well as uh, you know go once a month and do my distance program. So that's kind of how that all started. Oh,
1: okay, so you actually only had to go into Winnipeg once a month. For yeah,
2: yeah. So the way that it worked out is uh, they do a full time course there, obviously, which is a two year program, and they do a distance program as well. So the way that the distance program is structured is that uh, you would go once a month for an entire weekend. So it would be a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday. Um, and you would do uh, pretty much eight hours each day, uh, sometimes a little bit longer. And then throughout the week, you'd have your homework that you do at home, and then you'd have online classes as well, usually twice a week. So it was, uh, you know, fairly full on, but it wasn't the type of time. Time commitment, where I had to sort of pick up and leave, and uh, you know, fully commit myself to an entire program. Like you know,
0: right, right. Who is the distance program intended for?
2: I would say people like myself, um, yeah. people with uh, you know families. Um, you know, we had a young uh, a young child on the way. Um, we had a house here. Um, and this is we obviously me and my wife, um, and so you know, with a full time career already, uh, looking for this is kind of just a. a you know, additional education. I would say it's geared towards that, and and that's reflected in the uh, in the class as well. So if you if you look at the um, the full time classes, it's a lot of people that are just out of high school or in their mid twenties, things like that. Whereas my program, it was a lot of sort of uh, well, people in their you know late twenties, thirties, forties, even fifties. Um, so it was a lot of people that had other things on the go and, and already had an established life, but they were able to do this with a little more flexible schedule.
1: What kind of hands on time did you guys get with the distance program? Um,
2: well, basically, our the way that it worked with the program is that usually half of the day was um, our academic portion. So, you know, that would be your anatomy, physiology, path, things like that. And then usually the, uh, the later portion of the day would be four or five hours of hands-on practical um, application. And then, in addition to that, you had clinical portions that you had to do outside of the college. So, um, the full-time program or for people that lived within in the city uh, they were they had the option to do their clinical portion at the college itself because they had uh, you know a, a clinic there. For training, Um, but for people like me that lived in different areas, uh, we just basically had to pick a clinic, um, you know, within our local uh, uh, town or or city, and then just basically do a certain hour requirement there. So, um, you know, it it gave you the flexibility that you didn't have to be in the exact same place as the college itself, right? So, how
1: did that work? Like, were there specific clinics that had RMTs that were on board to supervise? Because I assume since you're a student, you'd have to be supervised.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first year I worked at um, at a clinic here in Kenora, um, and it worked out really well because the, the massage therapist there that owned the clinic was actually the person that got me in, well, not got me into the program, but sort of told me about the distance ed program, and it was one that he had taken a number of years back. So, he was already very familiar with how it worked and was willing to take me on. And for other clinics as well, it's, uh, it's a way that they can sort of... Um, uh, bring people in, you know, they're they're gonna have them under them and then hopefully when they graduate they're gonna come and work there, right? So right. Um, So for the first year, I did do that, and and there's certain things, like you would get a booklet um, from the college showing, okay, these are the tasks that you should be completing, these are um, things that you should be, uh, you know, watching out for and looking for, you know, as you're sort of following around these other RMTs, and so you would be brought into clinic rooms with people sometimes, Um, you'd be doing things at the front desk, just sort of learning how the clinic runs, things like that. And I should say, it doesn't necessarily have to be a massage clinic. Um, For my second and third year, I actually worked out of a physio clinic and there were no massage therapists there at all, but I worked under two physios, which was great because I got to learn a whole different side of things, right, and see the different treatment types. So that was really, uh, I found very educational as well. Yeah, I
1: kind of like this model, actually, of working in a real clinic versus a student clinic. I mean, obviously, student clinic is, is effective and it does what it's intended to do, but actually working in a clinic with... RMTs, you can learn things about the real world and the real job versus when you're working in a student clinic. It is it is quite different because it's a learning environment and you're kind of on your own as the student. And yeah, you have a supervisor, but you have a supervisor that is overseeing all of the students there. You don't quite get the I guess, the one-on-one attention that you would get if you had sort of a mentor is more what it sounded like you had.
0: Not even that, you get to work in a functioning clinic, right? right?
2: Yeah, and and, I mean, obviously, you guys can speak to that more than I can. I I never was in a student clinic at all. Um, The clinic at our college, I know basically the way that it worked is uh, pretty much anybody could come in. uh, They have a big billboard outside that says, come in for, I think it was, they charge $20 for mm-hmm. a massage for an hour, right? And, and you know, so I mean, obviously you're getting real clients and things like that. But yeah, you're right. It's not that one-on-one, um, you know, teaching environment, um, which is kind of what I got. Um, the first year itself in the actual massage one, it was a little bit, you know, things are new. You, you, you're you doing more uh, relaxation massage type things. Um, and, you know, it's a, sometimes I, I it's a little bit weird being brought into a clinic room where it's just you the therapist and the client. And some people are okay with that, some aren't. So there was that side of it that was a little bit sort of odd at times. But, uh, you know, just working in a clinic itself, uh, it was great, because yeah, like I, uh, I I have a business background. And so I got to also see the business side of that and relate it to my own experiences. So that I found very, very helpful as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool that you got to see the other modalities, like working with the physios. Because again, you come out of school as a massage therapist, and most of us end up working in multidisciplinary environments but we've never really had much exposure to the other uh, types of therapists. So –
2: that's cool. I actually loved it. I I really enjoyed working at the physio clinic, and it was really good for them too because a lot of times they would do their physio portion, and then if there was a massage component that they felt was helpful, what they could do was basically um, they could take me in and uh, and leave me with the client after to sort of finish up on uh, you know the treatment. So it was really good because I got to do that and also see the different things that they were doing, and also take things away that I could also use in my you know, my practice afterwards, which I uh, I still do to this day. So Yeah,
1: for sure. There's such an overlapping scope of practice. Mark just did a, an interview with um, a guest named Nima. Did you hear that one?
2: I haven't listened to that one.
1: No. Okay. Well, he is a doctor of chiropractic. He's a physiotherapist. He's a massage therapist. And he's a registered acupuncturist as well. And yeah, so this guy's essentially yeah, he's a one man show and he has a clinic here in Toronto and he does everything. And the main takeaway that I think a lot of people got from that episode is that all of us have such uh overlapping scopes of practice. A lot of what we do looks very similar and um, it, it is good to get exposure to all of the different types of therapies because we're all doing a lot of the same stuff and we all need to work together a little bit more.
2: And that's the thing I think that I I came to really appreciate. And, and I think that, and I could be wrong, I've only been in this field for a couple of years now, but I think that back in the day, um, however long ago that may have been, it seemed like each modality was kind of their own thing and they didn't really want to, you know, sort of, uh, work with the other, you know, like a physio wouldn't want to work with a chiro or things like that. And there was kind of like that weird stigma about certain things. And I don't feel that that's the case anymore. Um, whether that's true or not, that's just my perspective on it. But it seems like nowadays each modality is sort of delving into little bits of each other one. Like my, my, uh, my college is based in osteopathic medicine. The, um uh, the uh, the head of the college, as well as my main instructor, are both osteopaths and manipulative therapists. So they bring a lot of that to the table, which was really interesting. And I've noticed actually some of the chiropractors that I've seen lately, they're doing a lot of massage and incorporating that into their treatment, which I think is just fantastic.
1: All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your training in Winnipeg and then um, taking the exams here in Ontario. Maybe some of the the differences you notice or challenges, or if you felt that you were completely prepared for it. Um, okay. I guess we start with uh, the school. Then, do you did you feel when you came here to do Oski Prep in Ontario that the stuff that we were reviewing with you was pretty much on par with what you had learned in your in your college in Winnipeg?
2: Ah, uh, yes and no. Um- There's definitely things that, uh, you know, we went over that I felt had not been omitted, but just weren't uh, a very, there wasn't a big degree of focus on it in my program. So say trigger pointing, trigger point therapy, for instance, I remember uh, me and Mark hanging out there and and going over trigger points, and he had the big uh, trigger point map on the wall. And you know, a lot of that was like, I, I knew a little bit about trigger point and I knew that some of the theory behind it, but to be honest, a lot of that I actually learned at the physio clinic as opposed to in my college, um, so that was definitely something that was a little bit uh, left out, I'd say. Um, the actual, uh, the OSCE prep I found was it was more to, you know, it was getting you used to how the exam was run, which was completely different than our exams in Manitoba. So like my training, I think I was I was adequate, adequately trained. I, I was very happy with the level of education that I received and I was very happy with my course. Um, I felt very confident in that. I think the difference was is is the exam process itself. And uh, when I was in school, one of my instructors is actually from Kenora, and she was fairly familiar with the Ontario exams. And so the very first year I started when she found out I was going to be practicing in Ontario when I finished, is she said, well, find yourself a tutor when you're done before you do the exam so that you you have an idea as to how things are run there because it is quite different. So basically the way that our final exam worked is that – Outside of the written, uh, the hands-on component was kind of like an everyday situation. Um, Every person, so, so myself included, that was going to be doing the exam was expected to bring in somebody, whether it's a family member or a friend or something like that, that would be a body for another person. So our final exam was you go into the exam room and there's an examiner there and you would basically get a real-world person and, hey, here's my problem, and, and go to work. You know, you do your thing, you do your assessment and, and everything that you do, and then when you're done, you know, you go your separate ways and you get your marks based on that. Whereas I found that the Ontario exams, it was more just, well, memorize this um this template and spit it back to us and you're going to get points for getting everything that, you know, we need to see, which I can see the value in that, but it just kind of felt like um, here's a script, read it back to us and you pass, right? Obviously, there's more to it than that, but that's the basics of how it felt to me. So, so the
1: exam you would have done or the exam you did, sorry, when you finished school in Winnipeg mm-hmm. was one scenario versus like here where you go through each station and they're focused on one thing to make sure you know your assessments, to make sure you know how to do a proper intake, make sure you know how to prescribe remedial exercise. Like it, it it's not like that when you finish school it, in Winnipeg.
2: Well, it is and it isn't. It's just I think it's a little more compressed. Um, it's it's probably the same amount of time. I mean, you're in there for about an hour to an hour and a half roughly in our final exam. Um, you're Expected to do all of those things. It's just not, um, you know. Well, I mean, it's it's just that it's not station based. I guess mm-hmm. it's not. It's not. Here's however long it is, five or ten minutes per station. It's probably even shorter than that. It seems a lot longer, obviously, when you're doing it. But it's uh, it's not just uh, okay. Here's a station on this component. Here's a station on this component, and we want to see you spit this out, and we're going to give you a scenario, and and you need to know it. It's it's kind of just all of the same just compressed into we're going to do this all in one room with a real person and somebody watching you. And you could be given any number of scenarios. Um, and, yeah, you're expected to you say these things and do these things. And, and if you do it correctly, it's, I guess it's just a different way to do it. Um, it just seemed uh, significantly different. And, and to me, maybe it's because I was prepped for that style of an exam that it felt more comfortable to me, mm-hmm. but it felt so foreign coming from that to going into basically a healthcare or medical OSCE exam, you know, where it's station-based and, you know, going over all of those different things that you need to say and need to cover with Mark felt very foreign, even though I guess it shouldn't have, right? So Well,
1: like you said, you were adequately prepared with the education. It was just getting used to this format. So it wasn't a huge difference for you.
2: Yeah, I I think it was just... um, it was just confusing for me because, I mean, before I had contacted you guys or, and, and found out about, you know, this OSCE prep, I was trying to prepare myself for that exam on my own. Um, I had actually planned to do it a year before, and I postponed it, I think, two or three times just because every time I'd come up to it, I was like, I don't really know what I should what I should be covering. I mean, I, I know my education. I'm confident in my knowledge. Um, but to actually go into a scenario like that, which is pretty much completely different than my final exam. I don't know how to prepare for that. I think that was the big thing is I don't really know how to prepare for an exam like that. I can I can look over their uh you know their information on their website and their OSCI uh you know, the the stuff that they give you that says here's how it's structured, but to actually sit down and, and prepare for that and, and not go into it completely nervous and fumbling, I, I felt pretty Pretty inadequate, you know, before I came to you guys and got an idea as to, okay. This is what this station looks like. This is what they're expecting of you. And and I mean, that that just gave me exactly what I needed in order to feel confident going into it.
1: Cool. Did you ever practice in Manitoba before? Because I didn't actually realize until you just said it. Maybe you told me. It was so many months ago that I met you. But I didn't realize that you had actually finished massage school like a long time before doing the OSCE. So did yeah, you practice?
2: Was, oh, uh, well, <laughs> On the record, yes. Um, I uh, I did, and I know that the college frowns on that, but uh, basically what I did was when I was done school, I started working here, but it was basically just non-insurance-based work, um, and there's enough people that are looking for that kind of work here, just especially with the lack of therapists here, that they're happy to just pay out of pocket, and as long as it doesn't go through insurance, as far as I know, it's kind of a gray area right now, right? So I would practice. Yeah. I, 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 mean, it was only like really at the moment I'm only doing once or twice a week, uh, cause that's all I have time for. So that's kind of all I was doing at the time. Um, but yeah, it was just basically unregistered non-insurance based work that I was. Yeah. If
1: you're as just as well. offering massage, that's okay. Yep. You just can't claim to be a massage therapist. No, you? exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: So there, there was definitely like, I don't have any business cards that stated I was a massage therapist. I would just say I did massage and, um, there's actually another, uh, well i guess i can't call her therapist now but she was registered with the college now and she's just got enough of a base of people now that she just decided you know what i'm i'm done with uh paying the dues and and jumping through the hoops and so she just let her registration expire and she just practices um just doing massage with people cuz she has enough clients now that she doesn't feel that she needs it
0: so mm-hmm.
2: so that's kind of what i did and uh the, i i'm not going to lie i definitely considered just doing that you know, all the time. I I considered not even doing my registration. Um, The only issue was that uh, I was sort of in a rock and a hard place because I want this as a backup plan for myself. Um, You know, like I say, I have a business that's uh, running full time and it keeps me very busy. But if I ever need this, I wanted to make sure that my registration was there. So, now I'm sort of at a point where I'm trying to maintain my registration almost like not bare minimum it sounds really bad but like I'm doing what I can just to you know keep my registration up so that it's there for me so if I hadn't gone and done the exam though I think you have three years from the time that you graduate in yeah. order to do it before you have to basically take the course all over again which is just not an option for me right so mm-hmm. so it's kind of a weird scenario um where I I wanted the registration and I wanted to do that as a personal thing like I just you know I wanted to complete that that was the final step that I needed to do in my education so so that was uh, that was a goal for me, but there was definitely a part of me that was like, "Well, I don't really need this, and I can still basically do massage." just not insurance based and I'm not a therapist right so it was kind of uh you know devil on my shoulder angel on my other side and it was kind of figuring out well which one is best for me so I just decided to go through with it I was trying
1: to decide did you listen to the angel or the devil?
0: <laughs> you can't you can't tell me stuff like that because the only thing I see is that scene in Jane and silent Bob strike back <laughs>
2: absolutely Trouser yeah. Snake. Yeah. yeah so you know it, it's it's been a constant uh, not inner battle but it's just trying to figure out, you know, what's the best route to go here. And and I think that I'm really glad that I did go the way that I did. And I feel I felt a good sense of accomplishment, especially once I got the, hey, you passed, you know, it's like, oh, great. You know, I, I did that and it's done and I have the certificate and now I can fall back on that. And if I feel like, you know, putting it in limbo for a little while, I do have that option as well. Whereas if I hadn't done it at all and then it lapsed and then it's like, okay, well, say, you know, technology goes crazy and I suddenly need to do massage all the time. Well, now i got to go and take this course all over again right so so i think that this was definitely the smarter way to go about it um and i'm glad i did but yeah, I mean, there's it's it's not really. I don't need it. Um, I'm not practicing enough that it's something that I absolutely require. And and there is such a demand here in Kenora for people that uh, I would be busy if I had it or not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how many people a week do you treat? Right now, I'm probably treating. I would say eight to ten a week. Uh, it's it's not a lot. Um, you know, I, I still really enjoy. Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, I think one of the hard things, and you guys may may relate, maybe not, because you're kind of doing similar stuff but my other business is complete opposite, right? Like it's finance and it's, uh, it's APMs and technology. Whereas, you know, I'm going from that four or five days a week potentially to, okay, now I need to flip a switch and I got to be the therapist now and I got to think about, you know, uh, be a detective and figure out what's the problem with this person and how can I help them. And also the the other hard part for me that I find is it's really difficult um, based on that amount of time to do an actual treatment plan with certain people, right? Because some people you need to see multiple times in a week if they have a very acute problem and I just don't have the time to offer people like that. So I mm-hmm. find that oftentimes like that, that's when I really have to kind of refer on, but people don't really have the option then because. with only five or six of us in town it's like well i'm going to be waiting two months so i guess i'm going to be waiting and only seeing you once a week right so i'm struggling with that a little bit but um I still love it. Um you know, it's it's a great uh, great thing to be able to help people like that and and kind of check out as well for me, right? I get to kind of turn my brain off from my other stuff and jump into this, which is great. So
0: What's the uh, the process like to go from out of province and then dealing with the CMTO? How does that work?
2: Well, it was actually really interesting and i'm really really lucky uh because when i first started looking into the whole process like i I was aware of it from the beginning um my the dean of my college when i did my interview initially you know he he made it very clear to me that okay if you're going to be going back to ontario you're going to have to go through these steps so i was well aware of it um the process itself uh, wasn't that bad. Um, another person, actually, another uh, another woman in in town here that was doing sort of the same course and was looking into it, had already been in touch with the uh, the registration department with the CMTO, um, and so she sort of forwarded me the emails, and then I got in touch with them. And so when I graduated, I had already been in contact with uh, you know the examination uh, coordinator and everything. And and the thing is, is that uh, my college specifically had been assessed. By the CMTO a number of years ago, I want to say it was like 2010 or 2011, and so they uh, they basically assessed uh, Wellington College's program and deemed it to be up to up to their standards. Mm-hmm. So Wellington graduates actually got direct entrance into the exams, which is. Um, my understanding is not really the case for a lot of other schools. Oh, really? So I had a bit of a, a bit of an advantage where I didn't have to do their prior learning assessment or anything like that. I basically was able to I guess what it's called would be challenging the exam almost. Mm-hmm. So so after, um, you know, back and forth with the registration department, I just had to basically go on, get my registration number, um, you know, sign up and and do all of that and book my exams and pay for them. And then I was able to go and do it. So that was really nice. Now, that actually changed um, within six months of me graduating. So people that actually were coming behind me in the course of a year behind me, now all of a sudden were told that they weren't able to do that and they would have to go and do... I don't really know exactly what it was. Maybe you guys can tell me, but it was like, I think it was like a month course or if it was, maybe it was a prior learning assessment or something Mm -hmm. along those lines, but it was pretty involved to the point that they actually decided they weren't even going to continue with it. So they, they graduated from Wellington and they're actually not even practicing. They're living in Kenora here and they're not even doing it anymore just because I guess it was so much more difficult. So I kind of snuck in right under the radar. Yeah. and I guess I kind of got grandfathered in because I had already been talking to them, um, even though I didn't write my exams until I think it was almost almost two years after I graduated. I was still within the three-year period, and because I had already registered with them, they just sort of let me sort of go through with that, whereas anybody after that didn't get that option. So. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: So typically this would be a harder process then?
2: Yeah, my, my
1: comment before Mark asked you that was going to be, if anybody's listening who has gone to school in Winnipeg, maybe you need to start working in Kenora. It sounds like the demand is huge.
2: <laughs> it It is. And you know what? Like, uh, we actually have somebody, like the clinic I'm working at right now has three rooms set up. It's a multidisciplinary clinic. There's two naturopaths, a uh, dietitian, myself, and there's two other rooms for RMTs, and we just can't fill those other rooms. Um, so one person has actually just graduated. He took his schooling in Ottawa. so. He he's actually going to be coming here shortly just past his exams but yeah for for anybody else like coming from manitoba like i i there's there's actually a massage therapist here in town and she just drives an hour over the border and works in manitoba and in ontario and mm. uh maintains registration in both provinces so um yeah i mean it's 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 definitely in demand here and there's just never enough people to go around so is Manitoba um,
1: regulated no i didn't no. think so that's why i was but you have to join um, the you have to join the association yeah. okay
2: yeah, yeah right, you have right, to okay. join like mtam or, or or something like that and so uh yeah and and so uh, it, it's kind of one of those things it's uh if you know i, I often joked with people it's like if i just If I moved 45 minutes from where I am, I could have been practicing two years ago and charging insurance companies. Like, all of my graduating class are all in Manitoba. They they were working as soon as they were you know, yeah. out of school. Whereas me, I was kind of just like in this weird place and took me an extra, you know, two years and an extra probably four or five thousand bucks to uh, to complete everything. So I
1: thought Manitoba was going to get regulated. I thought I heard something like five years ago. Am it, I wrong?
2: It's been in talks for a long time. And you know what, when I first started the course, um, I would go in and talk to my dean all the time. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's in the process. It's in the process. <laughs> and it's, like, it's just one of those things that's like it's it's on the horizon, but I don't know. I think you know. I think most provinces are kind of like moving towards that. I think, but uh, yeah, no, there, there. I think it's still quite a ways away. And there's people that that want it, and there's a lot of people like my main instructor. He he's not for it at all, right? So why
0: was your instructor not for it? So out of curiosity,
2: I don't I don't actually know. I, I'm sure I'm sure he went on a rant about it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember the specifics, but you know, he just said like there's positives and negatives to it, and Obviously, people need to educate themselves on what's best for for them and for the the you know the profession as a whole. And mm-hmm. I, I think that it wasn't that he was totally against it. I think that there was just things that he was like, you know, it's good for this reason, and it's also not so good for these reasons, right? So, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I I think that it's great for for the profession. I think it's great for the public. But there's things that I don't I don't like about it. You know, like. Um, yeah, it's, it's not all, all rainbow. What
0: don't you like about it?
2: Oh, you're putting me on the spot here now.
1: Yes, um, I did. You've listened to him before. You had to know that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I, I knew enough about to know that was coming. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, there's just certain things about um, about colleges that uh, that don't sit right with me. I, I think, Mark, you and I actually had this conversation when we were sitting there one day, mm. and, uh, and one of the big ones was... Um, they discontinued continuing education and then upped their dues. Things like that, right? Like, where it's like, well, that seems backwards to me. Why would you get rid of... And they've probably instilled... I know they've got this new uh, um, self-assessment tool and all this other stuff coming out, so I'm sure they're working towards something like that, but it's...
0: Yeah, they actually just uh, sent out an email yesterday.
2: Yeah, yeah, I just got that email. So, I think that um, that that just seemed really backwards to me. I mean, the dues itself, okay, I get it. You know, you got to pay them. um, But to you went from 500 up to 700 or somewhere around there. Um, yeah, the
1: jump was really, really large, and that pissed off draft. a lot of therapists.
2: And that, well, yeah, and that that that's typical of a college or a big corporation or something like that, right? It just seems kind of like uh, money grab. And then to get rid of the continuing ed, I'm sure there were people that were like, "Oh, great, you know, I don't have to go and do that now." But to <laughs> me, to me, that just seems so backwards. Like, why? Well, they didn't you... actually
1: get rid of continuing education. They yeah. just changed the way that. Um, the yeah, they just changed the uh, the quality assurance program completely, and. I, I think maybe just the communication might have not been so great where a lot of people didn't quite understand what was happening.
2: And I'm probably guilty of that because this isn't my main thing, but it's it's something I follow kind of loosely. So um, I just figured, you know, like the continuing ed thing was great. Like it gave me an excuse to go and, and sit in on a course again and, and further my knowledge and things that I can use. And, you know, whereas now it's a little more optional. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You know, it's it seems a little more optional now, but... Um, I just thought that that was a little bit weird on their part. Um, so I don't know. There's just, there's just things about the registration and, and being in a registered province that uh, it's, it's very strict, um, you know, and, and I get that it needs to be, it's, it's for public safety and it's for the health of the profession. I, I get that. So um, I don't know. It's just, uh, there's just things about it that I don't know. I just don't, uh, don't seem to understand, but uh, that's probably just because I don't do this all the time. And uh well, nobody
1: likes giving somebody else a lot of money all the time. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, gonna, that's gonna be a point of contention for a lot of people. And I know there's a lot of people who have issues with the way, um, the college makes decisions. But I think also these might be and I I might be pissing off some people now, but these might be the same people who don't pay attention when the CMTO sends out emails or has surveys or asks for feedback, or people who are not members of the RMTAO who are, you know, not so involved in the profession. And those are the people that are like, what am I paying you for? What are you doing? So it's, I, I agree with you. There's probably some things that I'm not a huge fan of, but I guess I also see the value in regulation, and I'm hoping that more of the provinces go that way. I'm just I'm, – I sorry, no offense to anyone listening from PEI. Super surprised that PEI got regulated before Manitoba. I, I don't know sure why. I look that. at PEI as this teeny tiny little place. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, and and I'm in full agreement with you. I'm I'm not opposed to regulation and and registration at all. I I think that it should be done. Um, I think that a national standard would be a great thing. You know, it would also make things like my situation a lot less confusing and a lot more structured, like at least at least then like that was my hope actually you know because there was talk like you said about Manitoba becoming regulated and so I was kind of hoping that that was going to happen in the time that I was in school and maybe magically then it would make transference that much easier well that never happened and that's fine I mean I I went into it expecting that but you know like a national standard where you don't have to jump through all these hoops and and do these extra two years of, of you know all of this stuff for me and pay all this extra money to fly down to Toronto and do this stuff like the that, that was. Um, you mean you, know, you didn't uh, have
1: fun staying in an Airbnb in Scarborough and eating roti? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what, that roti was pretty great. That, that place was pretty awesome. So I, I'll take that out of it. Um, you know, and, and I don't mind a trip to Toronto once in a while. But, you know, when you have a young family and a business on the side and other things. Like, uh, I know for, you know, from my course, uh, there was somebody flying up from Sault Ste. Marie once a month. You know, things like that. Just weird stuff like that that shouldn't really need to be done. Um, I guess for me, it's a, it's a weird scenario because of where I'm located. Um, Toronto doesn't, you know, recognize this part of Ontario a lot of the time. (laughs) And so, so for us, it was kind of like, okay, before I had the option of going to Thunder Bay, well, all of a sudden that shut down. And so really to, for anybody in my, or even Northwestern Ontario, for that matter, for anybody to take a course like this, you pretty much have to pick up and move your life. And uh, that's kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, for me, I had the option to go to Manitoba, which was great. And I did that, but you know, this was what followed. So, but the hey,
1: national I mean, standard is interesting because I actually will admit I have no idea of what would be required. So, for example, let's say that Mark and I decided to pick up and move to another regular province. Let's say we decided to move to BC. I sure. honestly don't know what we would have to do to practice in BC. Is it as simple as challenging an exam or, or would we be able to just start? Pra- like, I have, I actually have no idea. It's nothing I've ever looked into. You'd probably have to take a jurisprudence exam.
2: Yeah. That, actually, that would make sense. Well, it's actually funny because one of the uh, therapists that I trained, well, not trained under, but she sort of took me under her wing the first year, she came from BC and, and she's the one that goes back and forth between Manitoba and Ontario. And when she came from BC, yeah, she, she had to go and do the Ontario basically equivalency stuff as well. So it's not really that easily transferred. Unfortunately, each province doesn't So really did she to have
1: to do like the full OSCE as you did or is it, as Bark said, just like a journey? Prudence, Prudence. Apparently, I can't speak to. A... <laughs> yeah, that's
2: a fancy word. I don't even know if I know what that means. But, I definitely
1: uh, can't spell it.
2: I think. I, I think at the time she had to do the full OSCE. Now this was uh, this was a number of years back. I don't. I don't know how long she's, she, it's been since she did that. But I, my understanding is that yeah, she had to do the OSCE exams. Um, and, and don't quote me on that because I'm not 100 percent sure. But uh, I, I know that you know we, we had discussions about the OSCE exam and stuff. And so pretty sure she had to go and do it. Yeah. What a
1: pain. I mean, uh, I guess. It's, it's the same in the States, right? Because all the States have very different requirements when it comes to massage therapy. And we've had so many therapists on from the States and their education requirements are different. Um, the exams are different. But I think somebody said that they were also looking to have some sort of national standard. Did I invent that? Did I make that up? I don't know. One more time. Sorry. <laughs> I, w- I was looking at Mark, but he's actually not paying attention to me at all. Um, did I remember somebody saying that in the States, they're also like, talking about having some sort of national standard for massage therapy, or is it still going to be state-by-state, just as it is here?
0: Um, I think it's state-by-state. I think that we probably should ask someone from the states.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening and you're from the states, please correct me, because I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm also on cold medication and caffeine today.
0: (laughs) It was Scott Dartnell that was talking about that, though.
2: Yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, I I don't know whether they're moving towards a national standard. Um, I don't know a lot about the states. It seems like kind of the Wild West in terms of... uh... it down there but
0: uh, it, it pretty much is yeah yeah,
2: yeah. so i am not i'm not 100% sure but i mean i i i know that um like one of my instructors uh she sits on one of the canadian boards here for something um and you know they've they've had a lot of discussion about setting a national standard it's just that the provinces can't seem to agree on uh on certain things and um you know there's other provinces uh cough cough ontario that seems to uh you know kind of be on their high horse about a few things. And so I I know that there's not a lot of agreement between certain provinces. And so hopefully they can move towards that because it would make things a little easier for students. Do you
1: know when I traveled outside of Ontario, I traveled to visit friends in, oh, where were they at the time? They were living in Calgary, so in Alberta. And every person I met when I was out touring around Alberta, when I would tell them I was from Toronto, you know what their response was? Oh, on terrible. The East Coast calls us that too.
2: I've never why, even heard that. Why does
1: everybody hate Ontario so much?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 not even Ontario. It's just the GTA. It's like I know. Yeah, down we're the there.
1: center of the universe. I yes, know. Exactly.
2: I think that's the problem, and and I'm jaded because we don't get any love up here. But. Uh, I don't, I've never heard on terrible, but that's, uh, that's pretty good, actually. I yeah, hope I, got, I
1: got on terrible quite a few times in <laughs> the West Coast, well, in Alberta and in the East Coast, because I've got family in Newfoundland and PEI, and we've done a few East Coast trips, and they don't love us either. So we yeah. might love ourselves here in the GTA, but apparently nobody else likes us.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, I, 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 you kind of hear that. And it seems like in terms of the massage therapy thing, like, you, you, I don't know. I've heard some stuff and, you know, you hear about BC, you hear about, uh, you know, the East Coast provinces, things like that. And it's like, you know, people talk about it and it's fine. But then you hear Ontario and it's like, oh, Ontario. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Oh, yeah.
1: And there's like 15,000 of us here. We're nice people, aren't we? Yeah,
2: there's always a needle in the rough, right?
1: <laughs> um, okay, so... Now that you are practicing, I mean, super part-time, but you are practicing, you're glad you did the exams in Ontario. You're glad you have your license. Um, what are your plans? Do you plan to kind of just continue on this part-time path until you have to practice? Or are you kind of falling in love with this
2: profession? Oh, I, I love it. Absolutely. Like, there's no question. I'm not doing it, you know, it's not drudgery for me or anything like that. Um it's just that, um, yeah, I, I mean, my, my plan for the foreseeable future is to kind of continue as I am. Um, but only because my business, um, I also really enjoy that. And until I sort of have to give that up, you know, if and when that happens, um, until then, I just don't have time to do more than that. Um, I, I, I would like to Um maybe not so much for myself but for some of my clients it would be nice to offer more uh you know because it's tough when when you're like oh i'm i'm booked up my one day next week and they're like oh okay you know that kind of sucks but yeah you know, you kind of have to draw that line i find uh you, you also have to kind of take care of yourself and i don't want to overcommit myself and spread mm-hmm. myself to- in, which I I have a tendency to do. And I've struggled with that a little bit with this, where it's like, oh, well, my one day is booked up. Okay, I'll take one here and one there. It's
1: so hard. I mean, I'm I'm with you there. I have two small children and Con Ed and the podcast. So yeah, I don't treat as much as I used to, not even, you know, I, I treat maybe a third of as much as I used to when I first started. And I find myself all the time saying like, even though my hours on Fridays, for example, are until three. I had a client yeah. message me this morning. I hurt my neck, any chance I can come to you after work? And I'm like, oh, yeah. let me talk to the babysitter. You know, like I exactly. I feel bad because now I'm not in again until Monday afternoon, yep. right? So it's like, oh, am I going to leave her with a pain in her neck from now yeah. until Monday afternoon? And yeah, and it's, that, it's, it's hard.
2: It's such a fine line. It's and that's something I really noticed at the physio clinic that I worked at as well. Is like they're they're pumping people in and out of there like crazy, and it's like you know. But then you get those people, especially in a small town where you know everyone, mm-hmm. and like oh hey, you know, you, you feel bad for people. I mean, we're we're compassionate people in this in this industry, you know, and it's like you don't want people to be in pain, but at the same time, I mean, you can't, you can't heal the world, right? You got to look after yourself as well. And that's the one thing that I've really sort of taken away from the last couple of years is I can't overcommit myself and I can't, um, you know, spread myself too thin because if you do that, you can't give the proper level of care that you need to in your appointments. And so, you know, it's tough telling people like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I, I'm booked f- until for two months, right? Like, you can't get in, and for another two months." But it's like, I'm the same. I have a small family. I have a business to run. Um, you know, there's things on the go, and if I'm not at my best, I can't give you my best, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's difficult. But um, back to the original question, I, I intend to do this part time. Um, you know, for the foreseeable future because that was my plan all along and until things change, um, that's what I'll do. Uh you know, I, I like variety in my life. I like to be able to you know, do one thing and then go and hey, today I'm going to do this and it's totally different and I don't have to think about my other stuff because I can't, because I need my brain on this person and on their problem and I need to figure it out as best I can. So um, I think that uh, having that balance and keeping that balance is key and that's what I'd like to continue doing.
1: Balance. I almost don't even know what that word means anymore. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, I mean, because I'm, I'm with you, when I'm with my appointments, I want to be giving 100% to them and it, I, I do find it challenging some days to turn off my mom brain, to turn off the business brain, to turn, yeah. you know, like, you have to just be focused with that person. Otherwise, you can't give them 100%. So when I do find that I'm not focused, and I'm, you know, my brain is in 7,000 different places, and I'm running on adrenaline, is when I have to sort of take a step back and like, okay, yeah. maybe I am over committing myself here. Yeah. And so yeah, my, like I said, my practice has gone down to about the same as you eight to 10 people a week. Um, I just sort of made a an affirmation myself that I'm now going to up that to maybe. 10 to 15. We'll see. This yeah. is, this, is, this will be an experiment. We'll see.
2: Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, you know, and, and like I say, this for me is also a chance for me to check out. Um, I agree with you. My brain goes crazy sometimes. And this is also kind of nice like what I generally do in my appointments. Um, I always tell people at the start of an appointment, you know what, this is your time. If you don't want to talk to me, that's totally fine if you want to just check out. Because I find that a lot of people feel the need to make conversation in that, in that intimate environment where it's Mm-hmm. Quiet and things like that, and and I always feel like when I'm getting a massage, it's like sometimes I don't really want to talk. I just want to chill out, and so I do get some people sometimes where it's like, okay, they're going to spend that hour in complete silence, and you know what? That's not a bad thing for me either, because then I get to kind of process some stuff myself, and it's kind of like my time as well. Like, yeah, I'm working and I'm doing stuff and I'm focusing on them, but you know, you have those moments where you're just okay. I'm going to effleurage for a little bit here, and I'm going to think about a couple things, and so that's <laughs> fine. So, so I do like that aspect of it as well. As it's not just full on like oh my god I've got another thing to concentrate on like sometimes it's relaxing for me too so I
1: so love that you just said that because I feel like a lot of therapists would never admit to that but come on guys you know we have all just efflorage for a few minutes and <laughs> let our brain wander we've totally all done it I
0: don't know what you guys are talking about
1: liar <laughs> yeah, liar I think that's called
2: <laughs> cruise control isn't
1: it <laughs> totally I I could definitely get on autopilot especially if I'm really into the music that's playing at the time oh
2: definitely yeah so I'm
1: trying to figure out what Mark's been. Uh, googling.
2: <laughs> Sorry, ever
0: since you guys started talking about the regulation thing in the different provinces, I I had a recollection of when New Brunswick became registered and a whole bunch of people failed the exam. Like I think there was like 50 something students that took or 40 something students that took it that year and only one person passed Holy
2: and isn't, they, isn't, isn't fail rate in Ontario pretty huge too
0: Um, fail, you know I'm not sure of the numbers in Ontario I've only looked at it for the different schools not as a whole but yeah the New Brunswick thing was interesting because anyone that was a therapist prior to or went to the same schools prior to the college be, being in existence they were just grandfathered in and oh, so then okay. you know once the college comes up with their entry to practice exam and now these people that have the same level of education take the exam and almost oh, almost Almost everyone fails. They actually tried to uh, sue the college over that. Something along those lines.
1: Like, sue the college where they studied, or sue the college that. It implemented the exam. They, they they had some sort of lawsuit going on
0: with the Regulatory College. In other okay. words, it was really unfair that these people were grandfathered in who have the same amount of education as we, the exact same education mm-hmm. as we do. And now we have to write this test that we weren't expecting to write anyway because when we started oh. school, there was no college. And now right. we finished school and now you're saying we have to write this exam of which we have no preparation well, for. Well, yeah, and
1: if everybody failed, I always wondered One when, person passed. A oh, one person. That one genius person. I always <laughs> wondered actually actually Actually, when kinesiology became regulated, Mark had many, many years of working as a kin. So he was able to get grandfathered in and become a regulated um, kin. Whereas myself, I I didn't have the years and I was actually missing, I think, one or two courses on my transcript that were sort of required. Anyway, the point is, I probably would have ended up having to take the exam and I opted not to do it because I wasn't working as a kin. And I always wondered, would I have passed that exam? I don't know. You know, I don't I know, know would I have to passed? I on those things. might have to go back to school.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you know what the first regulated province was? For massage? I feel like it was probably Ontario, but I'm, I'm, it might have been BC, though.
0: Well, in Ontario, originally, we were not under the RHPA. We were under the Drugless Practitioners Drugless Act. Drugless Practitioners Act, yeah. And we were not the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario. What the hell were we? Lee, Lee oh, Lee told talked us, about it.
1: I'm pretty sure shit. we were called masseuses and masseurs.
0: Yeah, something like that. Because I, Yeah, because there's a whole bunch of people that we've had on the podcast before who've been long-standing therapists, like over 20-something years, and they're like, yeah, right. that's that's what our registration says.
2: Interesting. Wow, well, strange times. <laughs>
1: um, anything else you want to talk to Bryn about before we let him get back to his regular life there? And actually, wait, there's one thing I, we, you've talked about a few times that you're the forgotten part of Ontario and whatever. Uh, What's it like? Did you were you born there? Have you always uh, lived in Kenora?
2: I have always lived in Kenora. I, I, I went to school back in my twenties and moved up to Winnipeg uh, for two years when I was in school the first time. Um, other than that, I've lived in Kenora. Aside from when I've left to travel or anything like that, but no, I have born and bred here, and I absolutely love it here, and I plan to be here. So, yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I've only been there. Literally, I was think I was probably there for a total of twenty four hours when I came for uh, a wedding. Actually, you know the couple, and we're
0: dumb yeah. enough to drive, <laughs>
1: and we were dumb enough to drive <laughs> driving through northern Ontario. I'm so it's just terrible. You're always oh, worried you're going to hit a moose, and there's nothing. No. But- no, no,
0: no. That's not even the Nature. worst part. That's not even the worst part. I'm going to tell you this story really quick. Oh come on. We leave, we, we, we leave. We're leaving Kenora. I'm in Amanda's car. Amanda owns the car. The car is in her name, so I'm driving her car. I'm I'm thinking, yeah, the registration's in the car. The up to date insurance card is in the car. So you know, I'm, I've got a little bit of a heavy foot. This is probably two hours outside we of were Kenora. In yeah. Oh, good yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Until I got pulled over, got a speeding ticket. But then I also get a ticket because she doesn't have an up to date insurance card. Her car <laughs> and now I now I've got twenty two more hours of driving to do. Can't speed at all. all. Got to hit the speed limit because I don't want it to get this fucking ticket again. I'm yep. not going
1: to try to defend myself because that was a really stupid move on my part. I honestly thought that I had switched the cards, so my insurance had switched over um, a month and a half before we drove to Kenora, and I I thought that I put the new card in anyway. I didn't, and uh, the cop the cop was not nice to me. He said to Mark, is this, whose car is this? And he said, it's, it's her car. And uh, he said, if I were you, I'd make her pay this ticket. I'm like, (laughs) thanks asshole.
2: (laughs) You must have looked at him funny or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that cop did not like me.
2: Oh yeah, no, driving up here is fun. Um,
0: Driving the speed limit all the way home really (laughs) fucking sucked.
2: (laughs) You'd think for, for GTA people that we lived in the Arctic or something like that, right? Like, but like, yeah, it's it's funny, you know, we're we're not that far away, but uh, far enough. I mean, it's a twenty-four hour drive from here to you guys. So it
1: is. Is it is it really cold there? I mean, I know I sound like an American talking to a Canadian right now, but
2: <laughs> depends on how insulated your igloo is. But uh, you know, it's, no, it, it, it's it's nasty. I mean, I actually have a picture on my phone from this winter where it reached minus fifty-one with the wind chill. So. Holy shit! Yeah, it was nasty. So yeah, wintertime isn't the greatest, but I mean, hey, we uh, we live it up for the three months of the year that we actually have some sunshine so yeah it's
1: nice there I remember um I mean it's nice it's on the water the town was really cute I I mean like I said I was only there for 24 hours but it seemed like a nice place to live
2: yeah it's great you know I mean we've got our problems um but uh it's it's awesome I mean I I like I like living close to the lake and you know you're five minutes from from the bush where you can just walk around and you know, check out for a little while. So it's not everybody's cup of tea. But uh, you know what, I love it. Uh, it's it's my place. And I don't intend to be anywhere else. I'm not a not a city person. I, I couldn't live in the in the concrete playground. That's not for me. So
1: so funny, because I'm the yeah, I don't think I could live in the bush. Just the thought of that. I'm scared. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, fair enough. I don't, I don't live in the bush. I do live in a house, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know <laughs> I get it. It's not for everyone. All
1: right. Well, this has been interesting. Anything else before we go? No, that's
0: awesome. I think you gave uh, a lot of people from out of province that are looking to possibly do something in Ontario, some great information.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate you having me on here. And like I say, I, uh, forever in your debt for, uh, for taking me under your wing and showing me how, showing me the ropes of the Oski and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, I would probably wouldn't be here if it wouldn't, for you guys, so thanks a lot. I'm
1: really happy to hear that.
2: Well, it's been a pleasure seeing you guys. Hopefully I'll uh, cross paths with you in the future. So. All right. right on, brother.
0: Thanks for being on the phone with us today. Alright, guys. Take care. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.